Thanks for coming. Welcome to New Life. Especially if you're visiting with us, thanks for giving us a shot this morning. If you're listening online, don't close your eyes when we pray. If you're driving, we're really glad you're here. want to get you started this morning. Um, i got to jump right in because i got a lot to cover. We're in the second week of a four-week series that could probably be a nine-week series if I wanted it to be, but I'm trying to kind of get it going. So um, this series has, has been really important to me. Uh, a lot of you have helped me prepare for this series um, on happy. Um, and so I, I want to jump into it today. I wanna, want to uh, kind of relive a little bit of last week's just so you can, uh, we can be on the same page. Um, and uh, we'll get going. So I want to do what we do every week around here. It may be the most important thing that you do this week. And that is to kind of give yourself a moment to get right. Um, just maybe even if you, you feel like you're far from God, I'm hoping you're going to leave here feeling different. But even if you feel far from God right now, it's a good moment for you just to be quiet. Um, honestly, something good will happen um, if you're quiet this morning. Um, God has made that clear to us. So we want to give you a chance to, to kind of get your heart right, to get, to get your mind right this morning and be quiet. Lots of things going on um, in our lives, in our church, in our schools, in our country, all kinds of stuff going on. If we're not careful, we'll let that just kind of take precedent over our life and over our, our soul. So this morning, I want to let you get your soul quiet. If you've never done that before, it's as simple as just literally some quiet in the room and then just kind of trying to, to think more about who you are than about what goes on in your life. And you know what that means. If you're an adult, you know exactly what I'm talking about, the things in your life um, that make us who you are instead of the, the what's in our life. So if you do that, um, I'm going to give us about 30, 45 seconds. I'll pray for us, and then we'll jump right in this morning. God, in the quiet of this room, would you give us a new understanding, a new perspective, a new energy for who you need us to be, who you want us to be? God, we're all here pursuing something. All of us are looking for something. Would you get to the heart of it today with us. Would you help us see what lays, lies behind the pursuit of happiness, of peace, of joy? Would you give us a new, more, more of an epiphany of what, what leads to the kind of life we're looking for? God, in this room there is deep depression in some there's extreme frustration in others. There is anger, bitterness. And then, God, there's celebration, joy. It would be impossible for me to stand on this stage today and speak to all of that. So I'm praying you do it. And that you get me out of the way so I don't mess it up. Would you make me more than I am today so that I can speak something big? To all of us, in your son's name, amen. 
So this is one of the joys of my life, this sermon um, and this sermon series, because I believe that what's at the heart of this sermon series is what you're looking for in your life. It's, it's the thing that it's at the bottom of all of your pursuits. Um, and if you were here last week, you know that what we're talking about is being happy. We're talking about that pursuit of happiness. In fact, that phrase, pursuit of happiness, um, it's something our forefathers thought of. If you took history um, in junior high all the way through high school, you've probably heard the phrase pursuit of happiness. That we all, as Americans, our forefathers wanted us to have the right to pursue happiness. And what's interesting to me is that these guys w- knew the same thing that we know. That no matter how far along they were, no matter where they thought they were in their life, these were some of the richest, smartest, most well-thought-of men in the world. And they didn't say that Americans have the right to be happy. They said they have the right to pursue happiness. Because they know the same thing you do. That you don't just go get it, do you? That you have to pursue it. And that pursuit of happiness leads us in all kinds of places. I've got a friend I went to high school with that I hadn't seen in 20 years, who I met with this last week. And he came, uh, shook my hand, and he, he's not a church guy. He knows I'm a church guy. And I, he shook my hand, and I said, man, what have you been doing for 20 years? And he said, looking for happy, just like everybody else. Like, man, that's what I wanted to say. That's what I'm preaching this week, dude. Uh, he's not a Christian, and he thinks I'm a little crazy anyway, so I didn't say that. Um, but uh, but the, the truth is, that's what we're doing, isn't it? Whether you're a Christian, whether you're listening to this and somebody, your mom or your grandma has said, you've got to hear the preacher and you're not sure you even believe this stuff, but you love her and you're listening. Whatever reason you're here, whatever you're doing, we're all, we're all looking for this thing. In the deepest part of our soul, the deepest part of who we are, and even if you're not sure about the God thing, you know about the soul. You know that there is a deeper part than the physical, than the emotional. Than the, you know there's something deeper. And in the deepest part of who we are, there is a longing for happiness. It leads us into all kinds of things. In fact, it's one of the best ways to market to people. Our marketers throughout in our culture have the best marketing campaigns because they know that you're looking for this at the heart of your life. So if they can say, if Coke can say to you, you're, you're not opening a bottle of sugar and fructose and acid and things that will rot away your stomach, you're opening happiness. Then there is a chance that in the deepest part of who you are, now you know, when you open a bottle of Coke, you know that you're not opening happiness. But in the deepest part of your, who you are, you're going, well, maybe. Maybe just for a moment. Maybe just for a moment there is that, that one little thing. But you also know this, if you're old enough, if, you, if you've tried this enough, that that little bit of happiness, usually, that immediate happiness, usually co- comes at a cost. It comes at a price. And we're starting to learn the price of Coke on our bodies now. You can just go to Facebook and type in Coke, um, and you'll find out... Um, all of the consequences of that type of a happiness. And then you've got Zappos, who's now created a slogan that, that is all based on happiness. Somehow they're delivering happiness, that you can order happiness online and have it delivered to your house. You don't even have to go pick it up at Target anymore. You can have it delivered. But you know, in the deepest part of who you are, that that's not happiness. Happiness has more to do with the who's in your life than the what's. If you've missed the the sermon last week, I'm going to review just a little bit, but I I want you to go back and listen to that because I don't have time to hit it all again. But we have found out that in our life, I know what you're looking for. I know what makes you happy. What makes you happy is not a big list of what's. It's not a big, uh, big, you come into the living room and you see the big screen TV and the stuff. That's not what makes you happy. You know it. In fact, when you go to look for happiness by buying stuff, you just got to buy more stuff looking for happiness in the what's just leads to more what's but when you look for happiness in the who's it changes you who you surround yourself with and that's why in the end 
when we all come to the, the end of our, our bookend in our life, you never get to a point where you, you have regrets that involve your possessions. Boy, I, I, w- I would, like to, uh, would like to talk to my crossbow. I would really like to talk to my gun is what I'd like to do. If somebody could just gather all my guns around, I'd like to get it next to my bed and just apologize for not, not spending enough time with them. We don't do that, do we? We say, I need to talk to my son, my mom, my dad, my aunt. The people around me, those are the regrets we have. So if you were here last night, I'm hoping, or last week, I'm hoping you remember this. If not, I feel, I'm going to feel like a failure. So just read that bottom line, okay, and pretend you remember this from last week. What makes you happy? No thing. No thing makes you happy. See, can you remember that? Especially when it comes time for Christmas. What makes you happy? No thing makes me happy. Now, if you disagree with that, that's fine. Go back and listen to last week's sermon, would you? But you know in the deepest part of who you are that no thing makes you happy. But you're here. You're at church. You're looking for happiness. You're looking for happiness in your life. You're looking for different things. And maybe church has not been the place for you to find it. I remember there was a phrase when I was in Bible college, and I I hesitate to even put it on this screen today because it drives me so batty, this phrase. And some of you have heard it before. Some of you grew up with it in the church. I remember it in Bible college. It hit me wrong then, um, and now it just kind of rubs me so wrong it kind of makes me grip my teeth a little bit. But look, this is the phrase. Next phrase. Next slide there. You might have grown up with this statement about happiness. God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be holy. Anybody hear that? Anybody ever heard that phrase? That was a big deal for a while. God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be holy. Like somehow Jesus would have walked the earth and said, repent of all of your happiness and be holy. It's just so far from the message of Jesus Christ. This is not the message of Jesus Christ. Obviously, holiness is at the top of God's list for you. But so is happiness, and they can be together. And and in fact, the incredible thing is, not only can you be happy and be a Jesus follower, Jesus knew more about happiness than anybody that's ever walked this earth. And he started talking about it. We're going to talk about a very specific moment where he talks about what happiness looks like in your life. The incredible thing about Jesus is, he never called people to be Christian. In fact, if you look through the Bible, this might be a surprise to you, but if you look through the Bible and the life of Jesus, he never said, if you want to be happy, you be a Christian. He never said, if you want to be saved, you be a Christian. He said, if you want the life that's at the deepest part of your soul, that thing that you're yearning for, here's what he said, follow me. This is what I say to my son, who, by the the way, is here today, Reesey. He said he hadn't heard dad preach for a while, so he wanted to sit out here, grown-ups. This is what I said to my son when we're in the woods, isn't it, bud? See, the thing about the woods is, and Reese knows this well, the thing about the woods is if you're tall, you have an advantage when you're walking through the woods. Now, if you're on the trail, it doesn't matter. But if you're off the trail and you're tall, you have an advantage because you can see where the things are, especially the sticker bushes, which we hate, don't we, bud? Sticker bushes are not our friend in the woods. And Reese, Reese can't stand the sticker bushes, and he's little enough that he can't see what I can see. So I don't say, hey, Reese, don't step in the sticker bushes. I can see him, and he can't. I go, hey, Reese, stay away from those. I don't do that, do I, bud? What I say is, hey, Reese, follow me. Follow me. Just, just follow me. I can see. see. See, here's the thing. Reese knows that Dad can see. And we've been doing this long enough together. We've been walking through the woods long enough that I can say, follow me. He can follow me and know Dad's going to keep me out of the sticker bush. So your happiness and your holiness 
can exist together. Following Jesus leads to happy. Being a Christian, in my experience, does not. Choosing to be the religious, to, to talk about Jesus, choosing to say things like this. I hear this all the time. I, I, I do love it. I, I promise I do. But it, it always makes me want to have a follow-up conversation, stuff like this. My grandson needs to hear that sermon. Could you send me the link to that? That's not following Jesus. Following Jesus is, man, I needed to hear that today. I need to go that direction. And by the way, so is my grandson. Would you send me that link? Do you see the difference? This drove Jesus nuts. And he came to earth to say, don't talk about this stuff. Don't, Don't just point at things. Don't just point at, follow me. Do it this way. And it's an incredible thing. And to me, this makes all the difference in the world. Those of you who spent a lot of time with me and know me over the last nine years know that I, I am very upfront about my issues with faith. I, faith does not come easy to me. The older I get, the better it's getting. But this is not something that comes easy to me. So when I have Jesus, when I have something to hold on to that says, if you want this, come this way. Here's the path. This is the way to stay away from the sticker bushes. And this is what your soul's looking for. These are the things I gravitate toward. It's hard for me to read the scriptures that say, just have faith. I know they're important. But I love to pair that with, here's what that means, and here's how we can do it. Today I get to do that, and I'm excited about it. If you grew up with the statement, God doesn't want you to be happy, he wants you to be holy, I'd like for you to put that on pause a moment. I don't want to argue with your grandpa. (laughs) I don't want to fight with your pastor from when you grew up. That's not what I want to do today. What I want you to do is realize that you can be both. That God intends for you to be happy. He built happiness. He put it in the deepest part of who you are so you would pursue it and you would find him in it. So today I want to talk about a a sermon that Jesus preached. You've heard me talk about this before, and if you're a church person, you may know this as the Beatitudes. When I was a kid, I called it the Beatitudes, because that's what it looks like, and it's like, we're going to study the Beatitudes today. Um, but it was Jesus, um, Jesus stood on a hill like he did a lot of times, and he had a whole different kinds of groups of followers. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 is where I want to start today. And if you're used to, to coming and hearing me preach, you're going to see a lot more scripture. We're just, we're going straight through this one scripture at a time today. Hang with me, because here's what I want you to do. We've got a list of things that Jesus says makes people happy. He says these are the things in life that make people happy. Now, I want you to be careful because the way this has been talked about in the past is that somehow if we do these things, God will somehow sprinkle happiness on us. Somehow if we do this, God gives us this. That's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying is if you want real happiness in your life, this is the path you'll take. This is where you'll go. Not do this and God will bless you, but in the midst of your life, if you head down these paths, this will lead you to what your soul is looking for. I believe today, if you'll listen to this with fresh ears, you will find some profound truths for your life. It starts in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. It starts this way. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. He did this a lot. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Now, Jesus had three basic groups of followers. And even if you're not a Jesus person and you're not sure he was God, this is history. This is, these are the people that follow Jesus. He had three different kinds of followers. He had the, 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 the apostles, the 12 guys that he chose as his best friends that were his leadership team. These were guys that he spent specific times with. These were the apostles. Then he had disciples, and a disciple was Jesus' term for anybody who followed him regularly, anybody who decided, not only am I interested in that guy as a magician or an entertainer or because I want some food, but I want to live the way he lives, so I'm going to follow him. And Jesus called them his disciples. So that was the second group. And the third, Jesus refers to, and the Bible refers to, as the crowds. 
And these are the people that just show up. These are the people who are looking for something, who are interested, kind of on the fringe, stand in the back. So you can almost see, if you put this in your mind, you can almost see the way Jesus walked. His entourage kind of looked like this. His, his apostles, the 12 guys, stayed closest to him. And then around him were the disciples. And then past them were the crowds. And Jesus sat down on a hill. And he said, now he saw the crowds. He went up on a mountainside and sat down. So there just would have been, I don't know how many people. And when Jesus wanted to talk to a whole bunch of people, he couldn't put a microphone on like this. He had to stand on a hill. He had to find a place with great acoustics. That's why he found mountainsides. When there were the crowds, then they were disciples, and then there were the apostles. And he began to teach them. I want you today, if you would, if you're, I, I, I hesitate, and I almost didn't say this today, but I'm going to say it anyway. The truth is, in this church, there are three groups of people that are looking towards Jesus. There are those who have dedicated their lives to this thing and decided that we want to be where God is. Then there are those others that, that have said, we want to follow Jesus. Well, we want to live our lives every day. And then there are the crowds. And I'm not pointing at anybody. You choose your own spot when it comes to Jesus today. Maybe you're not sure yet. Maybe you're here because you've tried everything else. Maybe you're listening today because you have heard that this Jesus thing makes sense, but you got one foot in and one foot out ready to run at any cost, and I don't blame you for that. But I'd like for you today, if you find yourself in one of those places, I would like for you to decide what your role is next. What are you going to do next? If you're close, if you're really close to Jesus, if you feel like you're a leader in this church, you want to move the thing forward, here's what I'd like for you to do. And this is what happened with Jesus all the time. He would stand on a hill. Not everybody could hear him, especially the crowds. And then the next group of people that could hear him were the disciples. And the people that heard him best were the apostles. And so what Jesus intended for the, I'm going to say this to the apostles, and the apostles, you guys got to tell the disciples. And the disciples, you guys got to tell the crowds. And if this is going to get out, you all got something to say about it. So today, if you hear something, if you hear something that tugs at your heart and say, that's what I've been looking for all my life, go find somebody who hasn't heard. Go find somebody who's got their foot on one end and one out the other and going, I don't know. Hey, hey did you hear Go to this website, listen to this guy, or go, go read this thing. And I want you today to look for some common denominators. If you've heard the Beatitudes, um, if you've heard this piece of scripture before, you're going to be tempted to kind of tune me out at times. I want you to kind of look for some things. Jesus lists a whole bunch of things that truly make us happy in life. And I'm going to explain them. And as we go through them, I'd love for you to kind of go, okay, well, that one kind of feels like this one. Because in the end, I want to draw them all together and talk about why I believe Jesus mentioned them this way. So after he gets all these people together, he starts this way. He just jumps right in and he says something incredibly profound to this group of people. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, he says this, Blessed, and the word blessed does not mean lucky. Um, one of the things that drives me nuts about Facebook is that hashtag blessed. Like somehow I'm blessed and you're not. You know, be careful with that, would you please? Because if you get something and I don't, you were blessed and I wasn't, what does that mean? <laughs> Did I mess up? Did I do something wrong? So be careful with that. And, and, and we've got to be careful with this phrase, this blessed, because when Jesus says blessed, he is not talking about something God has sprinkled on good people. When, when he says blessed, he means the word happy, the way we're talking about it right now. If you want happiness, there's not a list of things that you, you go do so that God pours it on you. This is the path to happiness. So Jesus sits on, the, on this hill, and these people know what he means in their language. They know what he means. They mean, he means happy are the poor in spirit. If you look around you, you'll notice, he'll say, that the poor in spirit, those who, those who realize 
but they can't do it themselves. Those who are spiritually poor. Now, what's interesting about this is Jesus had some double entendre here. That's a high school term. I, I pulled that out just for you this morning. Um, double entendre, is he, he meant a couple things, a few things by this, and I believe that sincerely. First, when he uses the word poor, it, that is a really, really um, significant word in their language because poor would have meant th- this battle against the rich people. And Jesus says, happy are the poor? <laughs> what? No, 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 no. Yes, happy are the poor in spirit. And the other, the other double entendre there is Jesus is used to being the spiritual guy, and he's rich in spirit, and, and if people want to be blessed, they need to be rich in spirit, right? Jesus says, no, no, happy are the poor spiritually. Those who realize they haven't made it. Those who look at their life and go, oh my gosh, I could not do this on my own. You know, I, I heard you sing this morning. We've got to be careful with these songs. We've been singing Breathe for nine years. I think it was written in 1970-something. We've been singing that song a long time. And in the midst of that song, this is the air I breathe. It's the song we sang this morning, Your Holy Spirit. I, we start to say things like, I, I'm nothing without you, God. If you mean that today, it's life-changing. If you sincerely mean that, it's life-changing. If you don't, you shouldn't sing it because it's too many implications for your life. If you mean, God, without you I'm nothing, what that means is, no matter how much I have in my bank account, no matter how much is in my 401k, no matter how much I move up on the ladder at work, no matter how big my truck is and how high I get it jacked up, somehow we seem to think that the higher we put our springs on our truck, the better we are. I don't know what that is in this culture, but we do that. No matter how many guns I have in my gun cabinet, God, without you I am nothing. None of that matters. Jesus said, happy are those people that get this, that not just sing it on Sunday morning, but live their life understanding that they have earned nothing, that they don't deserve anything, and that at any moment, for any reason, God could pull the plug. Jesus says, happy are the people who are poor in spirit, the people who embrace their daily dependence on God no matter what they have. Because here's the thing, the moment you put your trust in riches, instead of him who richly provides. The moment that you put your trust in the things that you have, instead of God, you become unhappy. I wouldn't have said that five years ago, because that is a monster statement, but I am living it. I have seen it happen in my life, and I've seen it happen in the friends around me. The moment they start to think, I made it, I got it, the moment unhappiness settles in. And the reason is because as soon as you're in charge of your happiness, you've got to control everything. You have to control the outcomes. And here's the truth about you. No matter how many people are working for you, no matter how big a boss you are, no matter how smart you are, you can't control outcomes. All you can do is influence them. God controls outcomes. And as soon as you give that up to God, you take a step towards the happiness he meant. And Jesus profound way looks down at these people and he almost says this is offensive to people who don't have anything he almost says happy are you poor people over there because you don't have to compete you don't have your riches competing with god for the stuff in your life then he keeps going he's already offended some people he just kind of gets on a roll and he says blessed are the meek happy are the meek for they will inherit the earth it's such a, you know, we don't, we don't talk about meekness in our culture, do we? Can you imagine saying, boy, my daughter, London, someday, I can't even think about this, she's going to get married, and I can't imagine saying, I really want her to, 
to meet a meek guy. We don't say that, do we? I want her to meet a doctor. I don't know, a tight end on the football team. Hits the ball 350 yards off the tee, straight-A student, stud. I want him to be a meek? Jesus says, yeah, the meek shall inherit the earth. These will be the people that are in charge. Because here's what it is to be meekness. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is somebody who is self-aware. They understand who they are, what God has given them, and where they intend to be. You know what this looks like on Facebook. Facebook has uncovered unmeekness all over the world. Because you start to go, look, people are like, man, I am so pretty. And you look at a picture and go, Bleh. really? Or you get somebody to go, I am so smart, and they spelled it S-M-E-R-T. I am smart. And this is somebody who isn't self-aware. They don't realize who they are. They think they're bigger than they are. They think they're better than they are. You know this person. They can barely sit and listen to a sermon because they're not at the center of attention. This person has to have the center of attention at all times. Jesus says, unhappy are those people. Happy are the people who sit back. Happy are the people who understand where they are, who they are, and how they fit into God's big picture. Then he goes on. Happy are those, blessed are those, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I love, he gets deeper and deeper into this. He says, happy are those, and he looks at people who are hungry physically. You understand that? He's looking at poor people who he's already said, you're happy because you're poor. And they're going, what? And then he says, and you're happy because you're hungry. <laughs> no, no, no. What he says is your happiness is, is, is for those who are hungry for doing right. We're losing this in our culture. We are. Happiness are those, happy are those who are, gui- who, who with, who are with no guilt, no regret, and a clear conscience. Jesus looks down and says, those of you who have made the right choices over and over and over again and come to the end of your life and you think you missed out on that party, You thought you were giving up something because you didn't hang with that crowd or got made fun of by those people or didn't do that thing, but you kept choosing the right line. When it comes to a point in your life, you're going to realize that the clear conscience, the no regrets, happy are those people. Happy are those who are committed to doing the right thing, even when it costs them. Some of you got an opportunity for that right now in your life. Something that you're just stepping over the line of. You know what that is. You know, your, your wife and you don't, you don't talk about it. You don't really talk about it. You're just going, yeah. Hey, the government takes my money all the time. What's an extra $1,200 on my taxes? Just go ahead and claim the dog this year. Right? Don't talk about it. Just step over the line. God says, Jesus says, unhappiness? Is it worth $1,200 to you? You're just going to keep making these choices? And it's not that God's pulling blessings away from you. He knows that in your life, you got to be at peace with you, and you got to be at peace with God, and you got to be at peace with those around you if you want full happiness. And taking one small wrong choice at a time will lead you in a place where you're not in peace with yourself because you can't go to bed at night without, without thinking about those things. You're not at peace with God because you've never really come to terms with them, and you're not at peace with the people around you because your sin, your bad choices, always affects somebody else. He says, happy are the people who keep Choosing right at all costs. See, it's not about throwing holiness out. (laughs) It's both. 
Matthew 5, 7, he keeps going, and he says, Blessed are the merciful. This is my favorite one. Maybe because this is the one that I have pursued the most in the past few years. He says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And happy are you who are relationally generous. You know what that means? That means you walk into a situation, and man, she is wrong. There is no question she is in the wrong. And not only that, you have the perfect thing to say to her to make her feel stupid in front of everybody. You got it. You have figured it out. You are smarter. You are better. You made the right decision. She made the wrong. You are in the right. And you chose to forgive her. You chose mercy. Now, you don't have to be a genius to know that this is exactly the way your life lives. How many, how many happy people do you know carrying a grudge? No. How many happy people do you know that are going like this every time they bring up their brother? Bowling, bowling, bowl. Doesn't sound very happy. You know what happy, Jesus says happy? Is when you've been wronged, and you will be, and you're relationally generous, you can say, it's okay. Yeah, but they may never forgive me. It's not about them for that moment. This is about your mercy. Yeah, but what if I never, it's not about them. It's not about you getting that back. It's about you getting happiness by saying, I'm going to give grace. Even though I'm right. Even though you're wrong and I've been wronged and I should be able to get my thing and I could say something right now that would totally embarrass you and make you look stupid and if I put it on Facebook, even more people would see it. I'm going to pull back and be merciful. Happy people are those who decided to extend to their boss or their ex or others what they don't deserve. So as you sit there today, somebody came to your mind right now. Your ex, your boss, somebody in the pew with you maybe. Yeah, but you just, you don't understand. Yeah, I do understand. Those clenched teeth, you're not going to find happiness. And it's not about, if I forgive them, God will bless me. That's not what this is. It's when you forgive them, it leads you to the path to the thing you're looking for. Man, Jesus has made some people mad, and he has started to say some really profound things at this point. But the next one is probably, the, if, if Jesus came to earth and he only said this, this would be enough for us to go on as humans. He said this, blessed are the pure in heart. Happy are the pure in heart. And look what he says. For they will see God. You ever just passed over that? The pure in heart will see God. I mean, that is an enormous statement to make. That is a huge thing in the midst of all this thing. And, and, and maybe you've had friends or family who have said this to you before, especially in big moments in their life. I just wish I knew what God wants for me. I, I've got this job and I've got that job. I can move over there. I can come over here. I just wish I knew Jesus says, you know that's possible for you to know? You know it's possible for you to see clearly, as clearly as humans can see, what God is doing, where God is, where he's not. I have family that's like that. This, this pure in heart thing has to do, this is a whole other sermon, and I may preach that first of the year. I'm thinking about that right now, about purity. Because I've got kids right now. Reese, seven, and London is ten. And there is a different kind of happy in them it's a different kind of happiness you and i don't have it and what we might say is well they just don't know yet that's not what jesus said it comes with purity you know what purity is 
It means you don't watch that movie. What, John, are you saying radar movies are a sin? I don't know. I'm saying you want to see God? You, you, want, you want to see clearer in your life? You want perspective on your life? Get the movies out. Yeah, but John, what about that great heavy metal stuff? I'm, I'm, I'm with you, man. Talks about sex, talks about drugs, talks about... Man, there was a time in my life where I'd go, Hey, it's just music. It's art. Okay, all right. You want to see clearly? Get that out of your life. I, I challenge you right now. Those of you who right now are going, I don't know what God wants for me. That's how you say it too. And you say it to me like it's my fault. All right, after church, I go back there. I don't know what God wants for me right now. Jesus says, you can find out. I'm just going to challenge you. Anytime you hear words, or conversation, on the radio, on a television show, that isn't a, leading your mind in a good place. Paul says, all pure things, only good things. If it's not leading your mind there, turn it off. And you just wait and see what happens to you. You wait and see how you see differently. You wait and see how things become clearer to you. See, it's not about just holiness. It's not about piety. It's about you choosing happiness. And the route to happiness is getting the junk out of your life so that you can see better. This is what Jesus means when he says this to this group of people. You know those jokes you guys tell with a little bit of sexual overtone? <laughs> funny, man. That's really funny. Yeah, don't expect to see clearly because God's not in that. Does that mean it's a sin? I don't know. That's not the point. The point is, you want to see clear? Men, leading your families to something better than you did, something better than your dad did, you better be seeing clear. Yeah, John, does that mean no more uh, movies where guys kill each other? I don't know. But if that keeps you from purity, at all costs, you want to see where God's going. Jesus has invited us to purity, us, in a culture where it's only used as we talk about water. <laughs> Purity's not even, that phrase is not even used anymore unless somebody's talking about water. Moral and ethical purity is where you get clarity on your life. Right now, if you feel lost, you feel so depressed, so far away from where you wanted to be in your life, and you don't know what the next step is, I can tell you what the next step is. Find purity at all costs. Yeah, but John, that means I might not be able to go Friday night out to that place where everybody goes. Yeah. Is that making you happy? Is that what you want anyway? Yeah, but John, those, those television shows, that I like, you know, they're just great, and who am I going to talk to them about? Yeah, is that making you happy? How's that going for you? You want to see clear? <laughs> you get clarity through purity. And if that's not bad enough, Jesus is just, I mean, doing what, hey, this is Jesus. Now, you guys are looking at me like I just killed your puppy. I'm not, <laughs> this is not my words today. This is Jesus. It's right here. I'm just reading it. And it gets, it gets harder and better at the same time. He says this, blessed are the peacemakers. Now, you've got to know that at this point in history, the people that are around Jesus want revolution. They want anger. They are as mad as the Republicans are at Hillary Clinton. Maybe madder. And they talk like this when they talk about her. And they want to talk about her family and her husband and her stupid thing and the computers and the 
Tulsa, and they grit their teeth, and they're, and you know, and, a, and Donald Trump, and the, you know, and we, they get mad and they get angry. And Jesus is looking at these clenched teeth, and he's going, "Happy are the people who get their teeth away from each other. Happy are the people who are making peace." I, I won't embarrass her, but my mommy's here today, and yeah. This is what she does for a living. She's a peacemaker. She puts two people in a room. Uh, this is amazing to me. In fact, I've sent many of you to her because I don't know. Uh, I haven't got there yet, but Jesus says, happy are those who represent God by making peace. In fact, he says, you've got to stop for a minute. If you, if you turn me off for a second, turn me back on for a minute. God, Jesus says, happy are those who are peacemakers. They will be called children of god a bunch of you said this morning while reese was following me around there's your shadow there's there's little john (laughs) jesus says blessed are the peacemakers you're little god you're little god you're a shadow of god you're following god around because here's the truth maybe you didn't know this god wants peace with you he wants peace in the middle east in the hearts of the people. He wants peace with terrorists in their hearts. And every time you represent peace, you become little God. You become a child of God. You become the little thing that God has put on this earth to represent what he stands for most. What he wants most from you right now is not a bigger car. It's not a better house. What he wants most from you right now, for your life right now, is peace. He wants you to be at peace with him so that you can be at peace with you, so that you can be at peace with the people around you. And when all of that happens at one time, you become a peacemaker. And when you become a peacemaker, you are a little God. And how can you not be happy? Some of you go home today. Some of you will go home today and have the opportunity to be a peacemaker. There will be two people saying things, and you can go, yeah, did you see her what she was wearing? You just want to jump on and pile on, or you can go, hang on. What if peace was an option? What if there was an, an option outside of gritting your teeth? If you find yourself gritting your teeth, whether it's over the, public, the, the Republican-Democrat thing, whether it's, whether it's over the church thing, some of you grit your teeth at me sometimes whether it's over family issues, whatever it is, if you find yourself in that, don't be surprised if you can't find happy because the two don't exist at the same time. You can't be angry and want a lack of peace and at the same time find what your soul is looking for. God wants to make peace with the world and when you do, you're just like him. So Jesus says, happy are the reconcilers. Happy are the people who want to make things work better. Finally, he says, this is the hardest part. I could preach a whole sermon on this one too, and I'm about done. He says, blessed are those, happy are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, we have misinterpreted this. We have misconstrued this for a long time. What we have said is, hey kids, um, go to school and take your big Bible, and when the kids make fun of you, Because you got your big Bible? Jesus says you're blessed. Because kids are making fun of you. 
That is not at all what Jesus meant. When he said this, he said, he looked down and said, you're all going to have trouble. You're all going to be persecuted. (laughs) Everyone who has ever lived is going to have trouble in their life. Now you can have trouble for what is good, or you can have trouble for your bad choices. Wouldn't you rather have, he says, blessed are those, happy are those who choose right. Blessed are those who choose to do the next right thing in their life. When you are persecuted for doing the right thing, you can maintain your peace with God and with you. I have a good friend in Bloomington right now who's He's on, the, uh, he's, uh, he's on this generation's um, train of buying things. You know, he and his wife do this. And Risha and I were on it for a while. And thank goodness I have family that gently helped me get off of this train. And it's a constant struggle. And that is, I get a house and I barely get in it. And I squeeze in it. And I sleep in the living room because I don't have a bed. And then the next, the neighbors buy a new snowblower and darned if they're going to have a snowblower and I'm not so I got to get a snowblower and then I got to go to Lowe's and and I I just saw my neighbor and now he's buying a new chainsaw and I don't even have any trees but I'm gonna buy a chainsaw and and I start filling my garage full of stuff and then I then we get it all full of stuff and and then we start looking at each other going boy this place is small we need a bigger place to put all of the stuff we don't use so we go looking for a bigger place and every time we do we get into more debt and we get into worse and we as my grandmother would say we reap what we sow And we find ourselves in debt up to our ears looking for happy because we thought it came with the chainsaw, and it didn't. We thought it came with the big screen TV, and it didn't. We find ourselves on a path of just making one bad choice after another. Some of you are there right now. And you can sit at the coffee table. You can sit at the dinner table. You can sit in bed with your wife tonight and get off that train today you can decide this is one of maybe the hardest decisions you'll ever make as a family you can decide we don't need the car yeah but they're gonna make fun what if i don't have quite the car she does at work and when i pull into my parking space what if she goes oh that window doesn't even go all the way up and you you get uh, yes jesus says blessed are you who have to deal with that junk and who have made the right choices you could get off the train you could sell the house Jesus ends this whole talk, and I'm about to too. So band, you guys can come up. That'll keep me moving. Jesus ends all of this. He, he says a whole bunch of stuff about judging people because people start looking around and going, see, you're not doing that. Jesus is like, no, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a path. I'm talking about a way to happy. The common denominator that Jesus draws between all this is that happiness is an outcome. It's not a moment. In fact, I was praying for you I, as i was praying through this i thought god what wouldn't it be cool if the people that were sitting in the pews could feel happy just for a moment and so i started praying god, how can i make people feel happy can i play the the happy song you remember the happy song was so big it makes you feel happy until it's over and then you start getting really annoyed by it you know and, and we, we the, the truth is it's exactly the opposite of what jesus is teaching happiness isn't a moment otherwise coke would have this figured out Otherwise, you can go to Sam's and buy happiness in the box. It is not in a moment. Jesus says happiness is an outcome. It's something, as my grandma would say, it's something that you sowed because you reaped. It's something that you harvest because you planted the right things. And so Jesus tells this story. Many of you have heard this story. You've been around church. It's impossible not to hear this story. It's a great illustration. It's how I want to end you today. Jesus tells this story, and he basically says this. 
He says, so those of you who heard my sermon, this is the end of his sermon, those of you who heard my sermon, you get no credit for hearing. You get no credit for hearing this today. Because all that matters is what you do with what you hear. You get no credit for sending your grandson this link. You get no credit for saying, boy, my husband could sure use that sermon. Jesus says, if you want life change, if you want to move towards happy, you have to do something. He said, in fact, it's like these two men who build a house. He said, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, because by the way, you get no credit for just listening, is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. This is an incredibly profound analogy in a lot of ways. You know how long it takes to build a house? It takes us a long time to build a house. Can you imagine how long it took to build a good house during this time? This is not a moment. This is not something you just do right now. In a day, you build a house on a rock? No, you build a house. It takes a long time, and you choose the rock. You choose the bedrock to build your house on. He says, the wise man built his house on a rock, and the rains came down, and they will. And the streams rose, and they do. And the winds blew, and it's awful. And they beat against that house, and it did not fall. Because you reap what you sow. Because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice just thinks, oh boy, that that sermon was convicting today. That's the word. That was convicting today. And then forget about it. Anyone who listens to these things and doesn't, it's like you're building your house, like you're building your life on sand. One thing at a time. Because here's the thing. Happiness doesn't happen in a moment, and neither does unhappiness. It doesn't happen just right now. It's something you build slowly, and you get to choose. This is one of those things God gave you choice on. You can choose what you're going to plant in the ground for your future right now. So whatever you listen to, My mom used to say it this way, garbage in, garbage out. It's exactly what Jesus is saying. You can choose to listen to the music. Is it wrong? I don't know. You can choose to watch that show again. It's all about sex. Is it wrong? I don't know. I kind of made it sound like it, didn't I? But I can tell you, garbage in, garbage out. You reap what you sow. You plant your life. You make choices down below, and eventually, you get what you planted. The rains came down and the streams rose. The winds blew and beat against that house. And I believe Jesus said it this way. I'm going to say it and then I'm going to leave you and God to his thing. It came down with a great crash. Please don't crash. Today, right here, God made happy. He planted it inside of you. And now, he's shown you how to grow it. Choose it. Don't listen to this. Don't say, good sermon, preacher. Don't just listen to this because you're planning, you're you're building your house on the sand. Do something different. Maybe today you go, you know what, I'm not a meek person. It's all about me. Everywhere I go, it's about me. Choose today to make your life, to make your world about somebody else. Maybe you're going, mercy, oh my gosh, 
mercy. People all around me have ruined me. They have destroyed my life, and I'm just going to get them one at a time. And maybe today is the day you go, nope, I want happy. And the path to happy is mercy. Maybe today you'll have the guts. Please do it before lunch, because by lunchtime you'll start to lose all this. You'll have the guts to say to your wife, let's sell the house. Let's get off of this train that leads us to no retirement, no money in the bank, no giving to the church, no giving to our kids, no helping anyone. Let's get off. Today, I, I can't think of anything more than I want for you. And if Jesus, if you asked Jesus, if you're sitting here and you said, Jesus, how do I be happy? He would say this. He wouldn't say this, 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 this. He would say, follow me. Do it my way. Just try it. Do it my way. You don't get credit for hearing this today. Happiness is an outcome. It's not a moment. And I'm going to say it one more time because you need to hear it. I'm going to say it between now and Christmas. What makes you happy? No thing. Would you stand with us and sing this morning?